Hello, everybody. Happy Fast and Furious Family Friday. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree and a guy knows how to work a DVD player talk to you about movies this week for our Fast and Furious franchise recap. We have arrived at Fast and Furious. That review coming up now on this episode of Brownie Points. Hello, everybody. Happy Fast and Furious Family Friday again, guys. We are four weeks in. We have arrived at Fast and Furious. No, not the first one. We're not doing that again. Um, <laughs> it is the return of Vin Diesel and Paul Walker to the franchise after taking last week off, except Vin technically was in it for a hot second. But, uh, but yep, we're back to the Toretto main story. This film specifically was written by uh, Chris Morgan, and it was directed by Justin Lin. Uh, you're going to hear that combination a few more times going forward, because um, <laughs> I may have jumped ahead and looked at it. But, uh, but yep, these guys were the main creative duo for the franchise going forward, uh, starting last week with Tokyo Drift. And like I said, this week brings us the return of Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, a lot of familiar faces that we hadn't really seen since either the first film or, in some cases, the second film. But, yeah. Uh, Nick, I will open the floor to you. Um, I will save my uh, first-time viewing hot take for this movie uh, after you. What was it like reappraising uh, this one for you? So, this one, um, I think, is my favorite sequel. Um, I... Uh, I give this on our rating scale of one of the worst things we can see uh, ever or in the in the year is something so bad we can't even recognize it as any sort of brownie. It is a raisin cookie. Uh, pretty bad movie with something redeeming is a single brownie. Uh, half pan is 50-50 so-so. Pretty good movie is full pan. And one of the best things that we've seen uh, is a full pan of brownies with sprinkles. Um, I give this a full pan. Um if this isn't my favorite of the sequels, this is the one I've seen the most. It's pretty cliched and has some really bizarre stuff happening in it, but I think it's a solid continuation of the Brian and Toretto storyline. Um, and this one, um, this is, this is the one where it is the final, like, I want to say believable, but I don't know if that's the right word, but it's the last one where it doesn't feel like a high espionage movie. Um, the next one is another heist, but that one is everyone's a fugitive from the law. And then after that one is they're like high tech spies, but even in five, it feels like they're high tech spies. Um, also there's no beer pop in this one, but here's a, a water bottle opening water bottle opening <laughs> say a waddle bottle <laughs> um but this is like i said this is my favorite I, I think this is my favorite sequel um and i've said this throughout the entire thing six seven and eight blur into the same movie for me um now there's two things before i throw this back to the end there's two things i want to reveal 
um, because of a debate that we're going to have later. I was looking at the titles. Uh, also, there's a short film with this called Los Bandoleros. Um, I like it. I would recommend watching it uh, before you watch this movie. It's a special feature on the regular Blu-ray. Um, yes, only the Blu-ray, by the way. It was not on my 4K disc, and I was starting to freak out just like, wait, where's this movie? And then I remembered, oh, I have a Blu-ray copy, too. <laughs> so Los Bandoleros basically is the turbocharged prelude to Too Fast, Too Furious, except for this movie where it just gives you what Dom's doing, how certain people find him, and what and why they're trying to steal the gasoline from the truck at the beginning. Um and the role that he plays in his community uh, south of the border. Um, but also, uh, there is something that I did not know existed until before we uh, or before we start doing this. There is a television series called Fast and Furious Spy Racers. I think it's a Netflix show. Um, really? It's a it's a cartoon. Um let me see if I can find it. Fast and Furious Spy Racers. Tony Toretto, Dominic's cousin, is recruited by a government by a government agency together with his friends to infiltrate an elite racing league, serving as a front for crime organizations. Animated animated series based on the film franchise uh, has some of the characters appear in it. Uh, it's a Netflix show. Okay. Uh, we are not watching it for this. I, I have no desire to watch. It. I've never heard of this. Um, yeah, I, I haven't either. I don't want to watch this. <laughs> uh, but then the other thing, too. Dan, have you heard of the movie Better Luck Tomorrow? Better Luck Tomorrow? No. Better Luck Tomorrow uh, is a 2002 film starring Han. It is the first time Han ever appeared on screen, so it is not officially canon, but there are people saying that that movie ties into the series, too. We are not reviewing that because it is not official canon to the series. We are only reviewing theatrically theatrically released movies. This is supposed uh, to be... As well as as the short films that go along with them. This is supposed to be... This is supposed to be Han? It's supposed to be Han. Um, Han appears as, like, a, a Japanese gangster in that movie. Okay, uh, yeah. Supposedly is how is what goes on. What? So it's supposed it's supposedly his character and it's unofficially canon because it's not a Fast and Furious movie, but that's like literally that's the character and the same actor playing that character. Yeah, Sung Sung Kang. I just pulled it up here. Yeah. And it's from Justin Lin. Justin Lin directed it. Yeah. So what? there's the two things I was gonna tell you, uh, that I told you I would tell you about before we started recording. But Yo, I'm uh, gonna see this... if this is streaming anywhere. I may just watch this on my own. Huh. <sighs> Well, but what just yeah sorry <laughs> just what just what I want to say before I give it to you um, for you to give your uh, thoughts this to me is the last uh, good movie or last really good movie in this series I re- I, I like this one a lot I I like it uh, but I I think I like it better than um, too fast too furious but I like it less than the fast and the furious I feel like um letty comes off very different in this like she's a lot more like chipper in this um i don't know if you picked up on that but like she she's a lot like perkier and like jokier in this but i i feel like this is a very good continuation to pick up and also the consequences of the first movie like 
the scene where Brian and Mia meet and have dinner. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say devastating is not the right word because it's not that emotionally moving, but like you can really feel and see how hurt Mia is by Brian in that scene of you destroyed my family and you betrayed my trust. What the hell do you want to do with me? Um, Still the best actor in the franchise. Uh, I agree. (laughs) Um, This is when, and this is when, this is my last note. This is the start of cars appearing in one scene. Um, It gets worse in the, in the other movies where like they're on scene for like 20 seconds and they're destroyed. But um, this is the beginning of cars not feeling like they're tied to characters anymore. Um, I, but like I said, I give this a full pan. I think it's my favorite sequel. Um, and we are now in the gritty reboot territory. This is this is when the movie series actually did really start to catch on. Um, I think it's because general action audience because the movie moved to a more general action audience standpoint rather than like trying to be a general audience look at these cars movie. Um, but you can you can see a dramatic shift and you can see the impact that the Dark Knight had on movies at this time. Yeah, I um I just pulled it up here. Um, I'll read the ranking. I I. I feel weird never having pulled this up before, but um, I'll read where they ranked since, yes, this is officially like when they started making money. Oh, yeah. But... <laughs> also, also real quick, Han is in this movie. So this is the start of a very confusing uh, timeline in the series because now Han is uh, more involved in the story with the main cast. And it's like, wait, when did Tokyo Drift take place? Yeah, I would. Oh my god, there's so much to unpack with this movie. Um, I don't even know where to start. Uh, my hot take. I'll start with that. Um, but oh, and by the way, not to jump the, <laughs> not to jump the gun. I, I will discuss throwing uh, Han's other movie onto the time machine. I did just look it up, and it is on Prime, so I could watch it right now. But uh, we'll talk about adding it. Just it, it might, it might be a time machine, but I'm, I'm not including it in the Fast and Furious thing because it's not fast and furious canon oh oh it's hell, like oh hell it's no. like no, 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 it's no. like unofficial canon oh yeah but it is not official fast and furious canon so i'm not including it oh no 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 no. i didn't mean it at all like that i just i saw it was on prime and i was well we'll talk about adding it to the calendar because i actually am kind of interested in it um but uh but no for my hot take uh this is the most scripted hot take i'll probably have ever had on the show because i've never read my final thoughts if i wrote them even uh <laughs> on mic before uh Fast and Furious, single brownie, fastest paced, but most boring. Paul Walker can actually act now, at least. I like that this one was set around Lenny's death for the central conflict, but not enough uh, to keep this remotely interesting. By the way, Carl, it's Letty, not Lenny. Wait, what? Whatever. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, that's that. Oh, and then my sidebar, my PS, uh, <laughs> and, and go ahead and get the pen out. Uh, sidebar. No way this short literally the best thing i've seen in four weeks was directed by vin diesel <laughs> dude I find that funny dude i okay i'll talk uh, los los benditos whatever it was called i'm sorry bandoleros I, ban- <laughs> los benditos <laughs> bandoleros i can't i can't lie and it it say this was anything short of the best thing i've seen out of out of this endeavor so far it is so up my alley of like things I like in movies. Like 
like these are what they are. They're like the action. Dan likes watching people make out on the beach. These are, I mean, these are action movies. Like this starts out like I can tell immediately it's shot on like uh like sixteen millimeter film and it like takes its time to like uh take the time to set the setting of where they are and show the devastation through the narration and like the poverty and it's it's doing a lot of really interesting world building and then Vin just shows up but he's just another character and you can see like how he's absorbed all this while he's hiding underground and then like you know what I'm gonna become I'm gonna become Robin Hood of the Dominican Republic and then it just ends when Letty shows up and I wanted to see more. I mean, we did get more. That's what Fast and Furious was. But I kind of wouldn't. I, I don't know. I was really intrigued with the way that Vin was directing this. And I was just like, why isn't the, the artsy drama? Like, I know this would be this is so like just for me. But like the artsy dramatic version of Fast and Furious that Vin was directing in this short. I was like, Jesus Christ, where did this come from? Like, this is amazing. <laughs> that's the thing that's funny is I remember uh the first time i saw los bandoleros i was like oh yeah i don't know why they're stealing gas <laughs> and it's like oh it's because everyone is having a hard time being able to afford gas down there got it dude um, amazing that was such a good short i uh i don't have to keep gushing over it but uh yeah please don't dude it's 15 minutes I, um uh, it was the best 15 minutes i've seen the last four weeks <laughs> <laughs> but no i just continue being that um but the movie the movie itself i just i mean to expound what i was saying like i i didn't dislike the tonal shift that it had i kind of liked given that it's about one of the characters dying like it the justin I, had the good sense of matching the tone pretty well like i'd like i like that it is dark because it is a dark story but but i mean kind of outside of that i mean just paul got an acting coach in the what five six years it's been since he was on screen last so yay i don't take back what i said because you still sucked in two but you were significantly better in this movie um <laughs> i've i've got an honest question for you oh yeah um do you like this better than two because or okay do you like this better than one because you gave one the same rating uh single brownie yeah i no but just barely i would just barely put that's that's the thing with this movie is the, the we both have given it the same rating as another movie in this series i think this is better than two and you have this just underneath one like this is one of the better movies in this series oh yeah no right now it's still one four or, or sorry three Three, one, four, two. Like two is the only one yeah. I've two is the only one I've outright hated watching. Like there's there's things about you just need to forget about it. <laughs> there's things I like I there I was this close to giving Tokyo Drift a full pan, but this movie, it's 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 like the first one where it's like the Toretto storyline is not a bad storyline. I, I wish Vin Diesel was a better actor, but, like, it's not a bad way. Like, I really like where this franchise well, is right now, it, where it's the street culture, but then there's also the crime element to it. And I like the cat and mouse dynamic of Paul's a police officer and Vin is the outlaw. Like, I like the cop and robber aspect of it. Like, if, it's not bad. If they didn't involve solving Letty's murder, this would be a, pre in my opinion, this would be a pretty good short movie or short film of Paul trying to, to, uh, after getting a second chance, Paul trying to ring, like wrangle in Dom, 
Um, what what would be the reason they get together though? Like without her dying, you'd have know. to you'd have to make up some you'd have to make up another reason because it it works in this film that somebody that was important yeah. to both of them is what ends up pulling them in together while also getting to stop the crime lord that killed her at the same time. Like that's not a terrible way to take the story if I'm being honest. Like well, it's, the the other thing that's interesting. Uh, we're gonna have to address this right off the bat. This came out like what a year after the Dark Knight. Uh, this came out in two thousand nine. If we didn't say that off the top, yeah, two thousand nine. So or two uh, two years because that was two thousand seven. Two years. So this was two years after the Dark Knight, and the Dark Knight completely changed the way movies were made. And I'm not saying that not as all a, not all movies not all movies. <laughs> it changed it changed the way action movies were made. Is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um. And I'm not saying that as a gigantic fanboy. I do love The Dark Knight, but I'm not saying it as a gigantic fanboy. I'm just saying that as someone that saw movies after The Dark Knight and before The Dark Knight, because every action movie was trying to be, yeah, this one's not trying to be super grounded in reality with the street racing, but it's trying to be grounded in reality of if you were to do something in in the way that they made The Dark Knight, the way they did Fast and Furious, what would be a very serious movie to do what are the ramifications of the toretto uh family falling apart because of the events of the first movie and then tying it tying it in with well they they fell apart they feel like they come together what's the thing to get brian and dom back together investigating the murder of letty is leading them to being after the same guy so it's I remember the first time I saw this movie seeing Dom and Brian in the same room together. And I was like, I can't believe he's not swinging David Park by his ankle and beating Brian with him. Um, (laughs) By the way, when, when he let the guy go and then Paul reaches for him, literally that is a split second that Dom is just gone. Like that's such a trope. Well, I can't believe it's, I can't believe this movie pulled off that trope. Like not even a shot of like his back for a split second going through the door frame, just like like Houdini. Yeah. He's just gone. Like, <laughs> well, so, uh, something else too about this movie. It, it's got a lot of exposition in it early, and I get I I understand why. There's a I don't know if how much you picked up on it. There is a lot of story dumped in the beginning. There is. Dom's Dom's in the Dominican Republic and he's still running truck hijackings because he did not learn his lesson when Vince nearly died. Um, yeah. Letty is, Letty is with him and she seems much more happy and chipper, but it turns out in Los Bandoleros they're married. So maybe that got her to calm down. Um, but, uh, they, they run that, they run that scam. Hans there. Hans says, I hear they're doing crazy stuff in Tokyo after the police raid their garage. So Dom doesn't want Dom is afraid Letty is going to get hard time because the police are coming after him everywhere he's going because he won't stop breaking the freaking law. Um, Just get a job at like Home Depot and be a handyman. Like, Christ, it's not that hard to get on your feet. (laughs) Walk in and be like, how do you get a job there? There, face. Um, But uh, so he he runs away from Letty. Letty is. Uh, essentially murdered and Mia calls Dom. He comes back to the States and uh, this is a 12 year old movie. I don't feel bad for spoiling this. It's revealed that 
Brian knew that she died and basically she was she approached Brian and said, "Hey, if I help you do this, will you uh will you drop all the charges against uh us uh me and Dom and can Dom come home?" And the re- and I think they should not have revealed that in that meeting. I actually think they should have saved it for when Dom finds uh, Brian's phone number on Letty's cell phone and calls him and then starts beating him up. I think they should have saved that as the reveal of Letty had something to do with Brian before she died. Because I think that scene would have been much more powerful of like, wait, what is like, I think it would have had a much more emotional impact. Um, hmm. I, but, hmm. I definitely didn't think of that being an alternative. I actually thought like that was the, I actually thought that was kind of an interesting twist that he knew about well, her the whole time. Let let me finish the story really quick, just so we can inform. Because this this one changes so much of the series moving forward that we do need to kind of give an update of what happens in the story because it's a it's a very large turning point in the series. Yeah, they um, they take full advantage of this going back to Toretto after like it, it was still Paul, but no Toretto in the second yeah. one, and then it wasn't anybody in the first or in the third one. So. So it turns out Letty was helping Brian with an investigation into uh, a cartel. Um, And so Dom is trying to find Letty's killer because that's his freaking wife. And uh, Brian is trying to find the killer because it's his investigation and job. And they they meet up uh, in the middle and then through some events learn to trust each other because they're the only people they can rely on that they know they can trust to get what needs done done. And uh, they end up working together. Gal Gadot is introduced in this series, and boy, howdy, uh, did I realize how terrible she was in the first movie that she was in. Oh, um, God, she she was so pretty, but she was terrible, too. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Don't tell me you're the, you're the kind of man that only appreci- that would rather look at a car than a woman. Is that a line that came out of your mouth, Wonder Woman? Um when he blew her off, though, I actually did kind of laugh sincerely, not ironically, when he was when she was like, I, that doesn't sound like I'm your kind of woman. And he's like, you're not. I actually kind of laugh sincerely yeah. at that. <laughs> uh, but so they, they meet up. Uh, they have, a, they have to get, they race themselves in. Dom is confronting the guy that uh, killed Letty. Uh, and then they, they end up running away together because they were going to kill them. They, then Dom sets off an explosion. And then it's about the rest of the movie is, they find out that the guy that set up the race is uh, actually the guy that's running the whole empire. He's u- just using as an old guy saying that, oh, he's he's the guy that is in charge of the empire and he's not. Um, and then the end of the movie is they uh, illegally extradite him over the border, <laughs> uh, I think. <laughs> and uh, chaos ensues. Um, Ugh, that stupid line of this is where my jurisdiction ends. And then this is where mine begins. Ugh, dude. Ugh, oh my God. I hate that. I hate that exchange so much. <laughs> dude. Oh my God. Um, just s- some stuff to kind of touch on in the movie. Uh, first of all, that one cop that Brian beats up says one of the most racist things possible in this series of David Park. I could throw a fortune cookie out a window and hit 50 David Parks right now. And no one addresses how terrible that is. 2009 was the same year that we had the big uh that we had the big f bomb in the trailer for the hangover remember <laughs> <laughs> yep um actually that should be a movie review too because that to me was the end of comedies 
for a while. The end of comedy is what? <laughs> um, You've not seen a single funny movie in 12 years. <laughs> it's an exaggeration. Um, but so this this movie, like like we were talking about, has a big tonal shift. Um, what did you think of how serious this was? Because it kind of reminded me of the serious, like movies didn't feel that serious back when the first one was made, but this one kind of feels like it has the same level of seriousness to it. Where it's like, no, this is pretty like dour situations. And there's a lot of desperation on both sides. Like Brian's trying to prove that the, that they can trust him again. Um, and then Dom's trying to avenge the death of his like most loved person in the world. I can see what you're insinuating. Like, I, I don't know if I could necessarily like agree definitively that like the Dark Knight was why, but like I get what you're I get what you mean though that uh in a in a franchise like let's say like Harry Potter like there's a clear cutoff point in Harry Potter there's a when massive it's... shift in Harry Potter yeah. there's a huge shift in Harry Potter yeah there's a huge shift in Harry Potter when it goes from a kids movie to like um, a dramatic movie for like young adults teenagers. Um, the Dark Knight was clearly a, a, a turning point for the superhero genre and action movies. Like, but while I'm not necessarily like off the cuff, like maybe you could research a little more, but I off the cuff, I mean, I kind of don't, I don't disagree with the decision to kind of age the story a little or kind of mature the story a little bit. Like you could only no pun intended, well, get so much gas out of just, the sheer thrills of like what they were doing. And I feel like that's more of a time of the early thousands. Like the, the other thing too, talking, like talking about this movie versus the first three, the first one came out in 2001. This one came out in 2009 around that time. Say that out loud again. There were eight years in between this one and the first one. (laughs) So think about the audience from the first movie that like you're looking at teenagers to kids in their early twenties was like the target audience, right? Yeah. You now have them in their thirties. What is something that whoa, whoa, twi- happened? Or well, I guess yeah, thirties. Yeah, never mind. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, like late late twenties, early thirties. Yeah. What is something that you start seeing is consequences of your actions as you get older? Because that's kind of what this movie starts out with is and kind of the whole movie is is the consequences of your actions what the what you did when you were younger what it leads to but the reason that i think that that is important in the series is the first movie of course no one's going to learn really from consequences of their actions it's the movie where the where the actions happen for the consequences to be driven off of the second movie uh, the only real consequence is, hey, Brian uh, has this rap sheet and he's wanted by the law, but that's really it. The second, um, the the second third... movie's just a buddy cop movie. Like it clearly, it the was se- the second movie. The second movie's a buddy cop, I'm, but I'm talking about like the progression of the of the movies themselves. I need you to stay with me on this. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I, it's yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, zip it. Uh, what I'm getting at is, <laughs> and then the third movie is another, you know young immature kind of race movie like yeah it's got the gang stuff but i i'm on record as i don't like that movie very much but the series wasn't growing like it was kind of the same like you had the first one was the most mature one but then the second and third ones i wouldn't say felt like step downs but it didn't feel like you were stepping up at all it felt like at the at the most 
you were on the same level, but you were probably a little bit down the, from the first one. So the fourth one, they they really had to be like, hey, we've got to mature because our audience did. We can't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like, yeah, we've got changes to the the two sequels that have been out. But really, if we come back to the, to the Toretto's, there's got to be consequences of that whole first movie. And for for this movie, it is in there. There's There are, I'm, I'm running from the law. I'm trying to prove myself. So-and-so died trying to clear Dom's name. Um, Brian, uh, at the end of the movie, uh, th- by the way, my note for the last shot in this movie is, welcome to the first shot of the fifth movie. Um hmm. Because that's literally what it opens with is the bus, the bus hijacking. Um, oh, so we don't get he's automatically out of out of prison. Like, okay, I'm glad yeah. we actually. I I that was something that really bugged me about the end of the movie was that was the final yeah. shot, and it was just like, oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! Like, <laughs> that's you're glad that happens. Just wait until you watch the beginning of the fifth movie, and then you're like, how is Vin Diesel not dead? No, that, um, that that's very reassuring that we literally pick up the literal second that the fourth one ends. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So I. Uh, I will say that's something that this movie, you know, I, I like that it is about the consequences of the first movie because had they jumped from the first movie to barely covering the consequences to doing the stupid heist that the, that, uh, five, six, seven, and eight have in them. If it went from like the first half of this movie to doing those two things, I don't think this movie would be nearly as good because of just they're about to get really stupid. Like they are about to get ridiculously stupid in the next couple movies. Um, yeah. I, I really do like, I do like everything that I, I agree with what you're saying. And I do see that this was, this was if, done the right way. Like, where can you go? Why, like, what could you do with these guys without having address, without addressing everything that you did in the first movie and having to reckon with how, that fallout? How hopeless does it feel after Han says, cops just raided our garage? Eh. After that line, <laughs> dude, after that line, honestly, it feels pretty hopeless for a good portion of the movie. Eh. I, or, like, for, I would say, okay, not a good so, portion of the movie, but, like, yeah. for the next, like, 15 to 20 minutes it doesn't feel very hopeful for these guys. Like I can't stop running. I have to abandon my family. So-and-so's dead. Brian is trying to, is struggling on this investigation. Uh, like when Dom, I don't know how you like this scene, but to me, I, I can see how someone says it feels hokey. I can hundred percent feel that, but I like the scene where Dom goes and visits the crash site. Oh, and he in has terms his... <laughs> of, in terms of the idea of him going to visit the crash site. Like, I want to see the skid marks. I want to see the impact points. I want to see the aftermath of the crash. Having it like a 3D, like ghost visualization simulation in his head was kind of ridiculous. Um, it was but him wanting to go see the crash site of where his wife died. I did like. I get why he would want to. And you could have easily just like had it like a third of the runtime that it was and take out the whole Will Graham, like autopsying how the crash went in his head. Like you could have taken all that yeah. out and just have him look at 
a skid mark on the ground, and then he just goes, oh, God, or something like that. You could have done it way better than, like, having the literal simulation in his, in his head, like he's... Like I said, Will Graham or Dexter Morgan or something. Like he's not a for, he's not a forensic scientist. <laughs> Speak, speaking of forensics in this movie, uh, the villain's car in this, uh, the one that Phoenix drives. Do you know what that car is? You know I don't. <laughs> I barely remember the cars it's, in this movie except what I wrote down for my uh for my it, pick. <laughs> it's from it's from one of your favorite uh. I don't know if it's the same car, but what I'm saying is this type of car is the title of one of your uh, favorite Clint Eastwood movies. Oh, 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 you did tell me this. He was driving a uh, Grand Torino, right? Yeah, it was, it was a Grand Torino. It was a Ford Grand Torino. And this is actually, I didn't see Grand Torino, the movie, for a couple years. But this is actually how I learned about Grand Torino's was seeing it in this movie. And I was like, what is that? Yeah, I, um, I completely forgot you did text me that. Um I thought, and, and, and I thought Letty's, you were gonna say Letty's you haven't car, seen that movie. <laughs> Letty's car that she's driving in the crash is a, uh, I think it's a Plymouth Roadrunner, um, which is basically the Plymouth version of the Dodge Charger. Uh, Plymouth made a nice Plymouth, car. Plymouth, dude, Plymouth back in the seventies made very nice, sixties and seventies made very nice muscle cars. Um, ah, I did not know that. Uh, but um, w- this movie. Something that has always stuck out to me is very strange in this movie. Vin Diesel takes a very staunch position on nitromethane fuel well, for no reason. What was his I what what part are you talking about? I do not remember so, this. Okay, so Vin when he's at the crash site, he's looking at the skid marks. And something I love is when he goes to the guy later that does the engine swaps and he's like i'm looking for a nitro meth uh upgrade that you did ford full size with continental tires and i was oh, like when he, how yeah. on earth do you know this oh yeah we how do you know it's a ford full size how did you look at the tread pattern and just go yeah that's that's continental tires how did you know this because he's got but, will, um, he's got will graham's super forensics power like that's how he does because he does because he knows <laughs> but so um since you don't know cars as well um in the race world eventually you can um put as many parts as you want on a car reduce as much weight all that stuff but eventually you start getting into i have done as much as i possibly can now it is about the driver and it's about the engine tune and sometimes uh, to do to get a to get more performance out of your car you have to swap the fuel because it's going to give you the proper tuning that you want and get you more get you the right torque and power that you want out of the vehicle it's not that far fetched like right now one of the big things in terms of modifying cars is E85 is like the big tune is oh you can run E85 in your car um that's like when you go to the gas station and there's like 87 or 89 90 93 or 91 and 100 octane fuel that's that basically what that breaks down to is like certain combustion ratios with your engine is essentially what it breaks down to e85 is a step further of that and nitromethane is too okay and dom i just love when dom looks at phoenix and he's like only run nitrometh and i was like okay are you i don't understand captain i love performance being like you know what 
I hate this performance. Jeez. You say, but I do like when they, I do like when they bring it back, uh, later when, (laughs) when Dom like jumps out of the cave and I like that, like Phoenix tries to run away and Brian's just like, I got your foot. (laughs) And then he pops him like a pimple with the car. And then he's just like, that was my that was my second to last note because that made me laugh out loud. Like I don't think that was a moment they wanted me to laugh, but I God, I laughed so hard. The literal like the most in, one of the most intense crashes in the movies and it kills the bad guy. And then his big hero line is just God, that was hilarious. I like, I like to when uh all the cops are swarming him at the end. And Brian's like, you need to leave. Like, you got to get out of here. And he goes, I'm done running. And this movie, earlier in the movie, um, I don't remember if you remember in 5, but in 5, the scene where they steal the cop cars. I uh, I barely remember a damn thing about (laughs) 5. Okay, in 5, there's a scene where Brian, Dom... Uh, Rome and Roman and Ludacris all steal cop cars and then they have a drag race. And it happens in this movie and this movie brings back something that's going to be in pretty much every single movie until Paul Walker dies is who wins in a drag race, a quarter mile drag race. Is it Brian or is it Dom? Yeah. And in this movie, it brings it back that the tail end of that race, they say, literally, I caught it this time, the part where they're neck and neck at the start of the race and they're trying to, they're trying to beat each other. Brian's GPS goes quarter mile. You have one quarter mile until destination. And I was like, Oh, funny. Like I knew this was the who wins in a race, but I didn't know you timed it to exactly a quarter mile. Um, But I like when Brian goes, you know, I would have beat you in that race. And then Tom's like, you hit your head pretty hard. (laughs) Even even in a moment like that, he can't admit that. <laughs> God. Um, so this movie also has the return of my favorite movie car of all time. The Dodge Charger does make a comeback. And I love when Mia is talking to Dom in the garage and she goes, Letty wouldn't let him scrap it. And I was like, uh, well, I mean, the frame was destroyed, <laughs> like destroyed um uh yeah that thing got destroyed at the end of the first movie (laughs) like like i get it your roll cage kept him alive that car was ruined um i i can tell you by the way it landed full force on the one frame rail at the front that car is a total loss um but uh so it has the return of this one but this this one is like we said, the start of cars not feeling as customized. The most customized car in this movie feels like it's Brian's Subaru that he gets, which was funny because no one remembers this car. Like every time I see this movie, I'm like, oh yeah, this is the one with the Subaru. It's never brought up again. <laughs> it's funny you actually say that. I mean, uh... and I'm not trying. I'm not trying to crap on the car. I'm really not. But it's just, it's so like does not stick out in terms of the customized cars in this series well i it's i it's not that specifically but like i'm i'm thinking of the broader um lack of the street culture being a character in this movie but it actually wasn't like um i don't know i i noticed that this time around but it leaned so heavily into 
the interpersonal relationships for the driving force of the story more than like anything to do with um any kind of street racing like so you're like you're talking about like the car's not feeling customized or like to the characters like feeling less absent like do you think the absence of like the random like we didn't have for the first time uh the random group of people all hogging the road to have a street race like was that weird to you having that kind of absent in the in the franchise now like start no. or starting from now no and here's why um, this movie is supposed to be about smuggling. It makes a lot of sense that this is about we need your car to be fast and perform well, but we need you to not really stick out in a crowd. Like, yeah, if you saw Dom Chevelle driving down the road, you'd turn your head and be like, oh, my God, look at that Chevelle. If you saw Brian's GTR, the blue GTR he has uh, in the race, uh, you'd see be like, oh, my God, that's a skyline. Yeah. If you saw Letty's Plymouth, you'd be like, oh, my God, look at that Plymouth. But – at the exact same time, you wouldn't go, hey, look at that neon green 1995 Mitsubishi Eclipse with a massive spoiler and body kit, green underglow, and uh, weird graphics all over it. it. Like, they're less distinguishable. So I get how it helps in a smuggling movie when it's, we need performance, we need performance, we need performance. We don't really need it to be flashy. Right. But it it makes sense. Like yeah. later in the movie, when they're when they're having the uh, extradition, where they're like bringing Braga back across the border, um, I didn't get a good look at it. My favorite car of all time uh, is a Chevrolet El Camino. Which people that know me and know my taste in cars, whenever I say that, it kind of always baffles them. And Dan, the reason is, you know, Don Dom's gray car that he has at the race the one he does the wheelie with oh yeah yeah, yeah. the one that yeah that that was i noticed okay. that that was different than the than the his dodge okay take the front end of that and then put it on like a truck there Sh chevrolet uh back in the 50s and 60s i think ford had a ranch had the ranchero and then later on chevrolet in the 60s and 70s had uh uh, the Chevrolet El Camino. It's essentially, hey, what if we took like a sporty coupe and then in the back, instead of having the back end of a coupe, what if we had a truck? Hmm. How uh, I called them, I called them car trucks all the time when I was a kid. I love El Caminos, but I only love, and that's why I'm not sure if it's my favorite one uh, in this movie because I don't know if it's this certain year because I don't remember seeing the front end of it. I only love the ones that looked like Chevelle's. Once they stop looking like Chevelle's in the front end, I don't really like them that much. I love the fact it looks like a muscle car paired with a pick a small pickup truck. Was Aaron Paul driving one that looked like a Chevelle in El Camino? I don't remember. That's literally what the car is, is an El Camino. But, but no, no, you were saying like uh, you like them in while they look a certain way, or did I misunderstand what you were saying? Oh, I uh, I do believe that is the one that he was in. The one that you do like. Yeah, let me see. Okay, I because uh, you 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 saying that that's what the car was. I immediately obviously go to that movie because it's called El Camino. So like I just figured ask that too. Like because you're on the because mm -hmm. you're on the fence on this one. So I just yeah. I mean I don't know how quickly you can find a photo of it. I mean it's. It's, uh, it's just a silhouette of it on the poster, it, isn't it? Uh, there's no picture of it on the poster, and I'm not getting, like, promotional pictures. I'm not getting a good look at it, but I will say that is not the year that I like. Oh, okay, okay. I just wanted to, cl I just, is, I just wanted to clarify that. After. Okay. But I, I'm a, I really like El Caminos. Um, 
they're they are my favorite the ones that look like chevelles on the front end those are my favorite cars of all time but i'm not actually sure if that was what was in this movie so we'll get to it when we're at the end what our favorite cars are but um other other nice ones dom drives a very nice buick grand national that's uh dom's car at the very beginning heist is a buick grand national yes dan that is a Buick. Was that the same? What was he? No, that wasn't the same car he was driving in the short. That white car he had in the short was really impressive too. Oh, that was a Pontiac Bonneville convertible. Um, I know that one like the back of my hand because my dad, and, and we'll talk about it when we get to favorite cars. Uh, my dad's a Pontiac man, and I've seen so many different Pontiacs. Um, but I've seen several Bonnevilles because my dad really likes Bonnevilles. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, it's, that's a Pontiac Bonneville convertible. Um, uh, but the Buick Grand National, that car, it's funny because that car was made as like a town car. And then for some bizarre reason, Buick was like, we're going to make this a performance vehicle. It's like, do you know that you cater to like old ladies and old, old men? Why are you making this a, like the last muscle car for a while? Um, <laughs> and Wanda, Wanda drives one. <laughs> Uh, I really like this. I really like the skyline. I freaking love the challenger and the, or charger in this movie. Dom Chevelle is really nice. Uh, Grand Torino that, uh, is driven by Phoenix is very beautiful. I do like the Camaro that, uh, the guy with the foot fetish that I freaking love when they bust him for meth. And he's just like, what am I under arrest for? And he goes, possession, uh, possession of methamphetamine he's like i've never touched that stuff man he goes you have now but he's like referring to him in third person oh he's like he's like what's dwight under arrest for he goes possession of methamphetamine he's like dwight's never touched that stuff dwight has now and he sets it on the table uh it made me laugh really hard Um, i'm 99.9 sure that not not that duh it's illegal but like i'm 99.9 sure that Within a week after he did that, he would have been expelled from the oh. FBI and jailed. <laughs> Brian Brian literally says, they're like, they go, you know, it's not going to stick right. And he goes, I don't need it to. It's like, I just need him to not be able to race tonight I'm, or drive. I'm pretty tomorrow. sure that guy could turn him in and get him thrown in jail for doing that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, and then uh, other good cars. Uh, got the Gran Torino. There's... Uh, None of the cars when they smuggle across the border really stand out to me other other than the uh, Skyline and the Chevelle all that much. Uh, at the very tail end of the movie, um, I, I oh, also Gal Gadot's got a Porsche. I'm pointing that out for a specific reason for when we get to our favorite cars. It's not mine, but it's someone else's. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't like Porsche. Um uh, or Porsche, whatever. Get off my back. I don't care. People that know how to pronounce their name. I'm um, I'm calling it Porsche if it makes you feel better. <laughs> eh, not really. Um, <laughs> and then at the at the end of the movie, uh, just so you know what the cars are at the end of the movie, like the last shot. Uh, so it's the black Charger. That's what Brian's driving. Uh, Pontiac Trans Am is what the two guys from the Dominican Republic are driving. Um, and Mia is in an accurate NSX, which is a very high performance car. Um, so those are kind of, that's kind of a recap of the cars. Like I said, there's not much to really talk about because not, they're not super personalized, but that, that this movie is the transition of instead of 
the actors and the cars being stars of the movie, it is a hundred percent the actors and a charger are the stars of the movie. And then you have co-stars of the movie, which are cars. Yeah, I see exactly what you mean. Like that's what, and that was part of what I was bringing up before was that like, this was like the most obvious, like absence of the street underground culture. That was actually kind of interesting and intriguing to me, like in the first movie and then again, gone, but then back in three, but now this time, yeah, it's very interpersonal. It's about like the characters and like, I, I, I would like to see them get back to street racing just because it's come such a long way. Like, yeah, honestly, that was something I liked in the third one. People can tune cars themselves and they can get so much more. Like it has in America, let me preface this in America. It has gotten so crazy with the amount of horsepower that people are getting into cars now. Um, And I'm not saying that like in other countries, they can't figure it out. I'm just saying, I don't know car culture across the world i know what america is about which is people having uh budget project cars that they can afford to do and then people that are really into the muscle era are just figuring out how to cram insane amounts of power like hell we we'll talk about this later in the series when we get to whatever movie has the demon in it dodge made a production uh car that is actually with because it doesn't have a roll cage, you legally can't race this thing at its peak performance at an NHRA drag strip. Stock. Just as it's, it's stock, it is that intense. Yeah. Stock, it has over 800 horsepower. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And when you, when the, it's the demon, and when uh, they were coming out with this car, the tires would get, were set up so much for drag racing that you had to sign a waiver saying, I understand these are not storm- normal street tires. They will eat up faster on the road than a normal car would. Um, so it's, it's, it's evolved so much in what we can do. And it's yes, cars are involved in the movies after this, but this is the last time you're really going to see some sort of street racing thing. Like I think in fast five, you get, you get to see, you get to see glimpses of the street racing culture, but it's so much a heist movie that racing. I think the only true racing we have is the cop drag racing scene. Everything else is just, Hey, it's a chase or Hey, it's a stunt with vehicles. And that's kind of what happens through the rest of this series is it stops. It stops being like the race. Like I like the race. We'll talk about it in a second. The race that they have in this movie where they don't shut down traffic. And it's, hey, we need to see that you can manage your way through kind of like a crisis situation. Um, And they stop having races like that. And then the series really becomes about smuggling. And uh, I've got someone that's a big person of interest in my car and they're trying to kill me to get to them. That's what it morphs into. And this is this is very much a blending of what the series was meeting what the series becomes like it, it's the perfect example of this is what we were. This is what we're going to become. And then it completely, and then it sticks completely with what it's going to become in the next movie. That's a great way to really surmise like where this is, because it definitely is not about the cars. Like, and I, I, I mean, you've stated it too now, but like knowing that they really become the window dressing into up to the point where it's just like, 
yeah, it's an action movie where just nice things are there. Like I not that yeah. not that it really saves the movies per se, but it's... I kind of like that element of like the cars were as important as whatever else they were doing and slowly pulling them back. Not again, I may, it's blowing it makes it sound like I like them more than I do, but like you ha- you have that little unique kind of thing that makes you different from any other action movie when you care that much about like street culture, car culture, you take the cars more it's, seriously than just window dressing. Well, like we were talking about too, and I'm not I'm not saying this ties in with the Dark Knight, but at the time that these movies came out uh from 4 onward, action movies changed completely. And the reason I say that is think back to like the 80s, which is look how muscular these people are. Look at the weaponry they have. Look at the the weaponized vehicles they have. Look at the body count that they can achieve. And then in these movies, it went from look at the look at the cars, look at the racing, to look at the cars utilized for smuggling. Yeah, just or for espionage type purposes. Yeah, it's not about the cars. It's about literally everything else. It's just oh hey, he happens to drive a nice car while he's doing it. The the cars literally became a tool. Yeah, and it's that's so. It's like a really shiny socket wrench. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the Mission Impossible movies too, or like our 007, where like our 007, I would say specifically because 007 is about 007 and the missions he's going on, but because of like endorsement deals that Daniel and MGM make, you get the money shot of the Mercedes or the Porsche or whatever he's driving, the Maserati or Aston Martin. They're whatever, Aston Martin. And then you get the nice shot of his Rolex and he's wearing the nice Tom Ford or whoever suit. Like you get those money shots because of the endorsements, but then it's still not about them. So that's, it'd be interesting. <laughs> that, that, that'd be interesting if like they, they spent a ridiculous amount of time. Like when he's getting ready for the mission, you see him like at the tailor getting the suit done and then looking at a big thing of Rolex watches and then like walking through a car lot of Aston Martins. <laughs> so you, you texted me and you've mentioned it a couple times too. You like that the big street race in this movie, they actually have traffic. That was actually a cool spin on the races this time around. I, I, yes, I was, that was something that saved this from being a cookie because I, yeah, I was bored during this, but like, we've just been talking about, like, it is interesting what they do with the story. And then, yeah, that race right off the bat where it's just like, and by the way, it's in live traffic. Like that line was stupid, but Justin Lin did a great job directing that sequence. Well, the other thing, too, you don't see these characters pass this scene, but the two other guys they race with, I love. Oh, booty sweat! I thought they were hilarious. That was booty sweat from Tropic Thunder. (laughs) Was that? That was booty sweat. (laughs) Oh, my God. That cracked me up. I looked it up on IMDb while the sequence was playing, and I was like, oh, that's booty sweat. (laughs) That's funny. Um, Yeah, I, I I do like that they have traffic, because... Okay, I'm going to mention this might be the last time I mention this just because this is one of the last true races that happens in the series. Need for Speed Underground and Underground 2. Um, <laughs> need for Speed. Need <laughs> <laughs> for Speed. Um, dang old Need for Speed Underground with video game, though, dang old. <laughs> but what I'm getting at is um, those in the races in those, there was traffic. So it's one of those things where it's like, We've got to play as this, so let's see this on screen. Um, but something... Okay, so 
before we get to the car question, we've been going on this for a while, and we'll we'll keep going on it for a bit. Um, before we get to the car question, you want to have you said you wanted to have this debate. I don't really know how much how heated this debate will be. What do you absolutely hate about this movie more than anything else in the series? Oh yes, yes. Uh, the title. I. Oh dear God, I can't stand the the title of this movie and it prompted yes this this question what is the worst sequel title in the franchise between too fast too furious tokyo drift fast and furious fast five uh furious six um i already forgot what the seven one was fast and furious seven okay yeah and then fate of the furious i can't stand this one because and Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, nah, that's fine. That's fine. See, that's a fine title. Same with Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. But well, here's just here's here's what I'm getting at. This is the worst title because all you did was drop the two does. Exactly. There's literally all, there's like no differentiating between this one and the first one. Like at least the other ones like have a number. So yeah. as hokey as like too fast, too furious, like that's a st- that's my runner up. That's a stupid title in itself. But the two twos, come on. But no, like the fact that they it, they didn't even it, dude. they didn't even it, try you with can this tell title. which movie it is by too fast, too furious. It's actually hard to know what movie you're talking about when you say fast and furious. Is it the first one or the second one? Exactly. That's why that's my number one because this, this is the laziest title. This was a stupid trend that's still continuing of people not using numbers in sequels. Just use the damn numbers, dude. Like, well, I, the I the Suicide Squad, perfect example right now. The Suicide Squad. <laughs> Iron Man, literally, Iron Man three is the last big budget movie I can remember off the top of my head that actually had the number of what it was in its sequel title. Uh, technically, the Star Wars movies do, even though we refer to them by the subtitle, kind of colloquially. Uh, okay, I, I I can I can see where you're getting getting by that. We just okay. we just refer to them as the subtitles, but the full title, Star Wars Episode Seven, Star Wars Episode Eight. I just we just call them by the subtitles. Okay, but um, okay. So let me see if there's anything else I want to address before we get to the cars. Uh, let me see real quick. Oh, I do have the uh, the box office tally too. If unless you want to save that for like after we even af- answer the Nicolas Cage question, <laughs> I've got a note, kids. If you want to drive fast, the Subaru just showed you why it's important to have a roll cage. <laughs> um, I've always thought it was hilarious when Bra- like Brog is really weird when they're extraditing him because he's like really confident. But I love when Brian just elbows him in the face. Also, actually, yeah, this this will be my last point to really talk about. Oh. Al- uh, <laughs> I I just put effing what when Dom jumps out of his charger into the other guy's car while it's driving and he's like leans out opens the other guy's door and just jumps into his car and forces that guy out oh dude um, the CG but also when the charger shows up at the end I was like wait I thought that car exploded in a tunnel so which charger is this dude the CGI in this movie looked really really bad I'm just I, I don't maybe because I was watching it in 4k it kind of stood out to me a little more but dude the CGI has really aged badly in this movie <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> yeah um okay so let me see if there's anything. Do we want to talk about the timeline or do we want to save that for next week? 
or maybe after fast or maybe when we get to seven because seven kind of answers that okay so here's here's what's funny you're the only person i've ever actually be super confused by the timeline with this movie just because don or han says the line no i heard they're doing crazy stuff in tokyo and i'm like okay this clearly takes place before tokyo no i knew it took place before tokyo drift i i was trying to i at first wanted to write my notes like i was seeing it for the first time even though i knew that from you that like yes it took place out of time the thing that threw me off the most was when they said it only been five years since the first movie so I'm like, yeah. okay, in real time, yeah, it's been eight years. That. I did have to go over the timeline with you because I, I watched a timeline video. Essentially, the timeline video states that the first movie actually takes place in 2004. Yeah, boom, head explodes. Like, yeah, I like when Han showed up, I was like, Cause okay. Cause, yeah, because and the re- and the reason that this takes place in 2009 is Mia says, this is what you have to say. This, that's all you have to say to me after five years. But when was it? Ah, ah, this is stupid. Why am I thinking? Why am I overthinking a timeline for the stupid franchise? <laughs> yeah. Ah, this is so um, frust- it's so frustrating. Ugh, I can't stand it. <laughs> I don't care. I don't so, care that a sequel's big twist is that it's actually a prequel that we never figure out where it takes place until three films later. But when you just out of nowhere, it's just like, oh no, I didn't take place no one when I came out. I took place three years later. Like. No movie. No, you can't do this to me. <laughs> Saturday or Sunday, I actually watched the trailer for uh, Fast and Furious Nine. Um, I rewatched it, and they do show Han survives the crash. Like they show him get reintroduced in that movie, and I was like, sure, whatever. And then you actually, I forgot, you see Sean and the guy that was trying to dino tune Neela's car, uh, working on some sort of science experiment, and. It's the timeline is just insane in this series. Um, so what is your favorite car in this movie? It was, if you read my notes more clearly, it was the Porsche up until that Subaru came in. So it was, I can respect you again. It was, it was Gal Gadot's Porsche because that was a very, very beautiful Porsche. But then when the Subaru came up at the end, that uh, wasn't it Paul driving the Subaru? Yes, Paul, that's basically Paul's car through this movie as the Subaru because uh, you see him drive the skyline in the race and he destroys it uh, after they go on the smuggling run. And I, I do like when Brian's like, you owe me a 10 second car to Dom. And then Dom just like punches out the window of the Subaru. And he's like, here you go. Completely unnecessary, but okay. <laughs> was so I wanted to be like, didn't you learn from Rome? Check and see if the door's unlocked God. before you punch it. Yeah, just like. It was just like, you owe me a car. And it just was like, just next to the car, boom! <laughs> Whoa, you could have tried a couple other things first. <laughs> okay, so you, your favorite's the Subaru. Yeah, runner-up is, runner is the Porsche. <laughs> I'm going to read my note, because this actually was very difficult for me to make, the, make a decision. Here's my note. My favorite movie, or my favorite car in this movie is the Charger. The black Charger with the Supercharger. But it's my favorite movie car ever, and I've already picked it in this series. So now with that said, my favorite my favorites are Letty's Roadrunner, depending on the year of the El Camino. And like I explained earlier, my favorite year of El Camino is the one that looks like it has a Chevelle front end. And the Pontiac Trans Am. Uh, my dad has a different year Trans Am uh, in white. And what can I say? I'm related to my dad, and uh, he has good taste in cars. 
Since I can't see the front end of the El Camino, I pick Letty's Roadrunner as my favorite. But if the El Camino is the, has the Chevelle front end, I would take that. But also, I do like that Trans Am just because it's one of the few Pontiacs you do see in this series. Well spoken. Even though I like that you remind, like, well, I, yeah, I'm related to my dad. Like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, like, I got my dad's blood in me and he's no. got a taste in cars, so I have to throw out the Trans Am. Although yeah. I think it's a year of Trans Am he doesn't like because he does not like the Bandit Trans Ams, and that's what that car is. I gotcha. Um, I was just looking through my notes for our other question. I actually didn't write one down, but we are now also four movies in, and we still haven't heard the phrase family yet. Uh, I thought they mentioned it uh, around the time that Dom beats the snot out of Brian, but. Yeah, no, we haven't we haven't heard Vin Diesel say we're family yet. We hear other characters me, say Dom likes put, people like family. Let me put it. Let me put it this way. I know for a fact you're gonna be tired of hearing it by the end of the fifth movie. Okay. He says it a lot in the fifth movie and then just never stops saying it. Okay, because I know other people have said it in all these movies that Dom treats people like family. It's just literally Vin saying it. We haven't heard it yet in four movies. <laughs> yeah, give it literally a movie. <laughs> Actually, let me put it this. Let me put it this way. You'll hear it Friday when you come up. Does when Paul Walker pulls up in the car uh, at the start of five, does he lead over to his uh, his uh, seatmate on the bus and go, "Hey, it's my family." Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, are you ready for uh, the Nick Cage question, or was there anything else? I mean, I'm kind of... Oh, yeah, the Nick Cage question. Who would you cast Nicolas Cage to be in this movie, and why? <laughs> uh, you go first. Um, I think I have an answer, but I kind of want to hear yours first. <laughs> uh, it's okay if you didn't write it down either, because I didn't. <laughs> probably Dwight. Who was Dwight? The guy with the foot fetish <laughs> in the Camaro. Oh, okay. I <laughs> By the way, I sent you I sent you something. It was in my Facebook memories. Uh, it was a year. I think I shared it like a year ago. So they found and auctioned off the first Yanko Camaro, which was your favorite car from the second movie ever. Oh wait, was that in my? Is that here? I, I sent it. I sent it in your messenger. Oh, oh, that, that's weird. I don't have a notification about it. Oh, I, I'll look at it here in a sec. Um, but uh. What was I going to say? My, my Nicolas Cage pick, um, I think, I think just from the sheer fact that I still have face off semi fresh in my head when he was dressed up as the pasture, I kind of would love to have seen Nick Cage (laughs) as the pasture at the end of the, at the end of the movie, blessing, uh, the, the drug dealer (laughs) just for that little brief second. I do. I do think that the most one of the most badass lines in this series that is never like looked at is when Vin Diesel walks up with the shotgun cocked to him and goes, "You ain't forgiven." That, that and yeah. puts the barrel thirteen millimeters away from Braga's face. Oh yeah, that's as point blank as you could get. <laughs> I'm like, he's about to give you a holy in your head. Uh, I'm trying to... I don't know why it's not popping up on my messenger in any way. I'll I'll try to look for it later. Um, actually, before we um, before we tap out, do you want to hear... Or do you want to guess, unless you just know, like, what the most grossing film in the franchise has been? 
Seven. The one where Brian died is the highest grossing. Okay, yeah. Even if you didn't know that, that'd be the that'd be a very logical guess and very right. Um, I'll go from eight. Eight, I think, is the second highest. Oh no, you're actually wrong. Um, I'll go from the bottom to the top. Um, Tokyo Drift, I think, is the low. Or no, was it? I don't remember. Yeah, the first one might be the lowest, just because it was the first one in the series and no one knew anything about it. No, that's well, partially partially right, partially wrong. Um, the the number eight film is Tokyo Drift, so you're right. Well, kind of, even though you thought the first one would have been there, but it was ninth with sixty two million dollars lifetime gross, and <laughs> I believe that is. Uh, I'm trying to double check if that was uh domestic or worldwide. Um, I think that is worldwide but uh this is just from box office mojo and for some reason it doesn't say but uh uh anyway the next one too fast too furious with 127 million dollars then at number seven is the first film at 144 and a half then number six is this film the fourth one at 155 and then uh hobbs and shaw is fifth at 173 and then like you were alluding to, the massive jump happens. Fast Five at two hundred and nine million, Fate of the Furious at two hundred and twenty-six million, uh, Fast and Furious Six at two hundred thirty-eight and a half, and then Furious Seven at number one with three hundred and fifty-three million dollars. <laughs> well, this this is uh kind of like the wrap-up thought. Uh, this one, uh, was basically the beginning of the series second wind um and this was and we kind of joked about it before but it truly took a gritty reboot of the series for people to really like it the first three movies were not well loved by car enthusiasts at the time um because they were all like what's with these kind of ridiculous cars and the fact that no one actually knows anything about cars seemingly in these movies um, it took a gritty reboot of the series for people to really get behind it. And that's kind of the legacy that it's stuck with is we've got to be like heist movie stuff. We got to move away from street racing. So yeah, the sequels, like this one was the one that kind of got people's attention. And then me, like me and you, we went and saw five in theaters and five is when it really started pumping in money because people were like, Hey, these movies are like good now, <laughs> even though I don't think this is the best one. I, yeah, I I guess my final thoughts on this. I it, I've had more fun talking about this movie with you than actually sitting through it. I found it You said that literally every movie in the series though. <laughs> I know. I that is true. I like the direction though that Justin tries to try to go with this one like it's not that it's not that I I think I think every movie moving forward like this one on I think you will at least go, I like the direction that they're going because it's more high concept than just street racing with uh, some illegal activity in it. Well, see, I, I didn't, I, I was intrigued with the underground kind of aspect, like this, not counterculture, but like, I kind of liked learning about this world I didn't know anything about, even though it was kind of just, 
it was there while also a lot of terrible acting and a stupid crime story tied interwoven with it. And then the second one was just a really terrible buddy buddy movie. And then three, I really liked because it kind of went back into uh, the fish out of water, but the fish out of water in this underground like crime street racing culture. And then this one, it ties back into the first one. And yeah, it's about the consequences of the first film also in the face of a main character's death. But I feel like my main biggest disconnect from this was that I've kind of not been that invested in these characters. And while I like how Justin Lin works as a director, like the movie, I mean it, this movie moved very, very fast. So I wasn't as bored as I, as I expected. And it got done a lot faster than I thought it did. But, or it... It moved a lot faster. I kind of like that. He kept the action up and all that, but I don't. I don't know. I'm still not at the point where I actually like care that much about these characters. I'm still very much watching these movies like for you to discuss them with you. I'm not like truly invested in it yet. I guess. <laughs> oh, uh, so one last thing before we move on. Um, moving forward, I think every movie has a post credit scene after this one. And they all have um, director's cuts. I checked on my box set. They all have director's cuts that we're going to be watching instead. Uh, I was going to say, I know five has an extended version because that's what mine says. Plus mine says movie pl theatrical plus extended version. Well, semantics, the, semantics. They all have longer versions <laughs> for, for listeners uh, who are watching these with us. And also for Dan, cause he never pays attention to this. You need to actually watch the post credit scenes that are in these movies from now on because they tease what they tease massive plot twists. Like literally, the next movie, if I'm remembering the order right, I think the next movie teases a certain character in the post credit scene. A certain character is coming back. Ooh! After the fifth movie, I wonder. Um, I wonder who it is. Except I think I spoiled it for myself because I I'll leave it there in case anybody's actually watching them in real time with us. <laughs> yeah. Um and also I think I think Eva Mendez is in that post credit scene. Oh, seriously? She they they convinced her to come back? <laughs> I think literally for that post credit scene, I think. Oh. Um Okay. But from now on, um, there, like Dan said, there's like extended the director's cuts and stuff. But make sure you watch the post credit scenes too, because they tease what is coming up in the series. Word. Well, thank you for reminding me, because unless it's a superhero movie, I usually just skip them. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Well, uh, yeah. That. Uh, anything else? Just wanted to double check. No, we need to hurry up. I gotta poop. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, with that, that is our thoughts on Fast and Furious, the fourth one. Uh, we're going to take a very brief break, and when we come back, we'll remind you what we're doing in our regular episodes. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for another installment of Fast and Furious Family Fridays where every Friday we will be recapping the Fast and Furious franchise. Next. I got another F that we have to talk about, which is Fugue. Yes. <laughs> Fugue. Isla Marfin. She's from there. Or he. That's a he. I always forget. It's a he. Uh, <laughs> thank you for the bumper music in between uh, the start and the finish of every episode. Uh, guys, if it's not obvious, next week we are going onward to Fast and Furious 5, the only one of these movies we have watched together, and still the only one we'll 
have probably ended up watching together by the end of this, probably. I <laughs> Unless we try to watch at least uh, Hobbs and Shaw together again. Or no, we... No, 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 no. If we try to watch Hobbs and Shaw together again to kind of cap this all off, we'll talk about that later, I guess. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, um... Oh, and then definitely whenever Nine finally comes out, uh, we'll try to do that together too, I guess, probably. But yeah, that's uh, Nine. Well, th- that's something we got to talk about with how close, you know, whenever you do move up close or how close you would be if we actually wanted to start seeing movies together, depending on if that works out. Yeah, we'll, well, when I have that. Pl- that That is a lot of conversations for off mic, though. Yeah, whenever I get that finally locked in, hopefully within the next yeah. 30 to 45 days, hopefully. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, but guys, uh, thank you for checking us out. In our main feed of episodes, we have tons of great new and Time Machine movies. Uh, we just recently dropped a review of Godzilla vs. Kong. Uh, we talked about um, Justice League. We talked about a lot of great stuff in the... The underrated Ryan Reynolds classic, Buried. Yes, we did just drop Barry not too long ago, too. So uh, feel free if you enjoyed this. If you enjoy this recap, there we go. <laughs> feel free to check out our thoughts on uh, new movies and uh, other various time machines that we do every single Tuesday and Thursday. And we talk about the news on Sundays, too, because that's that's how we roll at Brandy Points. We do all that for you. So, Nick, how about you tell everybody where they can reach out to us? Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema, Instagram, Brownie underscore points underscore guide, and Twitter at Brownie underscore cinema, as well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. Make sure that you are sending us Brownie Bites ideas, whether they are topics to discuss, countdowns to do, or movie trailers to review, or movies to review, whether they are in theaters or streaming, new releases, or time machines. Uh, the show logo, the bowl of popcorn with a brownie in it, is the best way to reach us. Make sure you're leaving us reviews on whatever platform you listen to us on, especially Apple Podcasts. That's the best way for me to be able to read that on air. Thank you to Shane, who recently sent one in. Um, we're challenging Dan's sister, who will remain nameless because we don't really know if she's cool with us saying her name on the show, although we're pretty sure we've said it before. Um, so please leave a review. And also, Dan, while you're editing this, remember to text your sister to do that. Uh, excuse me. Um, we're on Letterboxd. Dan is capital D Brownie 49. I don't remember what my name is, but that's all the ways you can reach us. And blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, yeah, guys, I know I'm hot and cold on Letterboxd, but I will... Try to remember I have it whenever I watch something that's not for the show, I promise. And I'll try to backlog some reviews on there. But life is busy outside of taping the show and going to work itself. So be patient with me. Uh, (laughs) uh, But yeah, guys, we will continue to always be here on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, and all other major podcasting platforms here and around the globe. Shout out to Ireland still being on top of the United Kingdom as the top foreign country that listens to us outside of the United States. And, uh, you know... 2021 so far has been off to a good start and it's starting to trend in the right direction we want to go to uh we've already agreed that uh we urge you to get vaccinated uh we both stand very strongly on this uh go get vaccinated if you can we know a lot of restrictions have been uh eased a little bit so hopefully it's easy for you to go get vaccinated we have ours scheduled in the coming weeks so please go get a go get vaccinated guys for for everybody's sake go get vaccinated but still continue to wear your masks still wash your hands keep your ears and your hearts open and be empathetic give a damn about each other 
And that is how 2021 will get back to normal and be better than last year. That is all we got for this bonus episode. We'll be back Sunday with the news and Tuesday, a new review and Thursday with a time machine review. We'll catch you later. Also, for those of you that are 45 year old dads like me, apparently uh, Menards has brought back the rebates. So now is the time to buy your stuff from there because you're going to get some scratch back. If you know what I'm saying. Actually, that should be a movie review, too, because that, to me, was the end of comedies for a while. The end of comedies? What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You've not seen a single funny movie in 12 years. (laughs) It's an exaggeration.